About the Church podcast episode number 84. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. My name is DG Holmes. We are here once again this week to talk about that thing called the Christian faith. Doing that in a really real way. A really real way. Not a non-fake way. Yeah, no more of that fake stuff. Fakeness? Take a hike. No surface level conversations here. We're going to dig deep into Christian theology today. (laughs) I don't know how deep we're actually going to dig, but it sounded We're going to get wrinkly. But anyway. Dude, your skin's so wrinkly. What happened? I was swimming in Christian theology today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're so, not glowing. <laughs> so, DG, we have we have a little bit of uh, feedback here I have, from two individuals. Well, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. Oh, not that kind of feedback. No, not that kind oh, of feedback. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we have we have feedback from two individuals that I think will probably suffice to have an entire episode worth of conversation. And I think we'll start things off with a phone call because we love hearing the voice of our listeners. In fact, uh, anybody who is listening live has the ability to dial in and call us live. Yes. You could do that even right here during the show. Crazy but, talk. But those of you who are listening via the podcast, you guys can also give us a call or girls even. Uh, can give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week by dialing area code 859-795-4067. You'll go to a voicemail that will send it in just like Rick did here. So, Rick, cool. take it away, man. Hey, this is Rick from Wisconsin calling for the About the Church podcast. And I would like you to devote some more time uh, in an upcoming episode or whenever you play this call about... The the issues about the emerging or emergent churches, I know that it's been talked about in the past, and I know DG has, you know, defined the difference between the two, Uh, and I'm not sure exactly how a church that would classify itself as emergent, you know, makes that definition, what makes it different from a church that's not in that category, but I know that um, a year and a half ago or so, we had some friends from our church that were very concerned about this movement, and I kind of uh, made the mistake, I would guess I would say I made a mistake, that I let some of my opinions be influenced by their opinions, and um, didn't really investigate for myself that much about uh, the people that they were talking about, or the things I had heard, and I kind of felt I, I had heard uh, Doug Paget's name and Rob Bell's name in more of a, of a, a negative sense. Uh, as if something they were doing was not a good thing. And uh, recently, our church started for the summer having a Tuesday night gathering where we fellowship around a a meal, and then uh, we have a time of music and a time of uh, teaching. And the last two weeks, they've shown uh, videos that uh, Rob Bell was talking on the video and uh, teaching things about Christ, and uh, I didn't know who he was during the first lesson. I didn't know that that's who it was that was talking, and I thought it was great. And I watched it this week knowing who it was, and I still thought it was great. <laughs> and I said to myself, well, obviously he's teaching something good here. Um, I don't know what it is exactly that these people have a problem with, you know. Um, I know a few of the things that I know that 
I guess some people believe more in the authority of the church, the church structure as we've traditionally had it, and feel like in an emergent church, I guess there is no authority, or at least that's what I'm being told. And um, I'm just wondering, because I know I think DG is real familiar with Doug Paget, maybe friends, and um, I would really like to get more information from, from you guys and your understanding of this movement. Thanks. All righty. Great stuff. All right, DG, what, what, what would, how would you know a church is an emergence church versus any other kind of church? What would, what would be a distinguishing factor? <laughs> no, I, there, there, I don't think you would ever, you can't uh, yeah, put I mean, a label on it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think that you would ever be able to walk into one. It, you know, it really is a label that, um, that, people just want to throw on this stuff. I, I think that the great thing about the emergent people uh, is they've never considered it to be a church. Now that it was always, it was always emergent village uh, incorporated. I mean, it was, it really was a group of people that had a board and their desire was to basically create conversation uh, about Christianity and and they really have been, they they really have the, uh, pardon me, they really have the, um, uh, what do I say? How do I say this? Um, they have a tendency to deconstruct everything. Okay, and when I say deconstruct, they say, oh wait a second, did Jesus really say that? Did you know what was the church really thinking when they came up with the canon, and, and stuff like that? And so they didn't just take the Bible for face value. They were questioning it and saying, "Okay, well, let's really, let's really seriously have some good conversation around what's really going on here and how did the church form and why, you know, why do we do some of the things? Do we do some of the things as a church? And I'm talking Big C Church, just because it became that way over time, or is it because of the scripture? And so they're doing a lot of deconstruction, and that's that. Anytime you do deconstruction, you put a lot of people." Uh, you know, they're on the back of their hills. <laughs> they're like, wait a second. How dare you mess with stuff that's been around for a thousand years? It's been around for a thousand years and we can't really question those things. And they're up for questioning them. <laughs> right. So I, so that in and of itself scares a lot of people. Uh, if, if your faith is completely black and white and then someone chips at a little bit of what you thought was white and they make it gray, that is not cool in a lot of people's minds. Um, and a lot of people's lives too. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's a lot easier just to live the black and white kind of a stuff, and um, and so so that's that's what that's what's happened. Okay, uh, is is so the emergent people, uh, which would be uh, Doug Paget, Tony Jones, Brian McLaren, uh, those guys, uh, and there's there's some gals in there too. Don't get me wrong. Um, they uh, you know they make up the emergent. Now the emerging was basically people saying, hey, we want to do something more than just talk about it. We want to try to live some of this stuff out. If we have been if we've just accepted something and it's wrong, then let's correct it and let's let's move on. Let's actually start being the church. Um and those two terms are now becoming a little bit just of a well, whatever. You know, it's just it's it's become like anything else. Here's a term. It's all it's become honestly in, in nowadays is a dividing line. Do I care about what you're saying or do I not care about what you're saying? And it really has become a divider that if someone labels themselves as emerging or emergent, 
then then that just allows people to be able to say, okay, you're bad or you're good. You know, it really has been. Um, and so anyway, and then the the big term that's coming out right now, and this is, uh, and it's not it's not coming out. I mean, it's it's been around for millions of years. Is missional, and I think I would put myself in in the missional understanding. Um, I don't mind having those conversations with the emergent, and um, and and you. I don't know if I would call Doug a good friend. I mean, I've interacted with him, I've eaten with him, um, I've, I've I've talked with him and stuff like that, but I've not just you know spent a weekend with him or spent you know a week with him. Um, I've spoken, I've done breakout sessions at conferences that he was the main speaker at and stuff like that. But I've you know so uh, where he's he's on our docket to be able to be interviewed on the Praxis podcast. We really want to interview him on the Praxis podcast. But he just wrote up a brand new book called uh, Christianity Worth Believing, Worth Believing, and he's actually going around right now. Uh, doing live things all over the country. So um, I'm not sure how to find that. Uh, maybe I can find that when we move off the subject. I can put the link in the chat room or something like that. But I think it's like dougpageant.com slash live or live events or something like that. But anyway, um, but that's, so that, that, that's, you know, that's, that's the thing. And, and so if it kind of gives you, hopefully it'll help you get the background. Now, I don't think that Rob Bell is emergent. Okay. Um, I think that people would want to label him as emerging. I don't think he would label himself as emergent. I don't think he's been on the board of emergent village. I don't think that, you know, uh, but he does a lot of, uh, a lot of really in depth kinds of looks at the Bible. And, um, and he does do a little bit of deconstructing. And so I think that a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, that's the, then, then we're going to label him that way. Um, but I, I love the Rob Bell DVD things that he puts out. The from NUMA church. videos. Yeah, the NUMA videos. I love those. I, yeah. think, they're, I think they're great. Um, and, I, and I have a good friends of mine who are um, very much more reformed than me, mm-hmm. um, very much more Calvin or Calvinist than me, and um, and they do not like Rob <laughs> at all. And I, I think, honestly, I think John Piper has done a lot of stuff saying I, I don't like Rob Bell. And and he's got a lot of reformed kind of followers and, and um, John Piperites. And uh, and so I, I think that's where he's that's that's how he's been lumped into the bad part of saying he's emergent or emerging. Um, and, and and but people disagree. People have been people have been disagreeing about what the Bible says. for. <laughs> well, the, here's the thing you, you, you mentioned. You kind of give this this idea that the emergent is this village of people or this group of people who came together and are willing to question things, even if they're established tradition. And and in my mind is I think about the forefathers of maybe the Protestant movement. Weren't they the emergent village of the day? Yeah, probably at the time. Yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah, the th- sure. and, and here we are. I and and I, I very much. I'm actually coming closer t- and and gr- coming to believe it or not. I'm coming to grasp, you know, the my understanding of of myself as an evangelical Christian. And and while I will say, I will say this. I'm approaching my faith from a completely different perspective than I ever have before. But when I'm faced with questions from folks in fact we're going to talk about one today when i'm faced with questions and conversations of theology i have no problem questioning the things we've always done 
and investigating, you know, is, is there a reason why this started? And, it, you know, is this something that is, is still applicable today? And I'm okay with saying, you know what, this is something maybe I personally, I just don't see, I, I don't agree with this part of the normal exercise of our faith. However, I'm finding myself saying, you know what, there, there's a lot of value and a lot of good reasons for the things that I have been taught and have been trained. And I don't see any reason to change, although there are lots, there is no short of, uh, shortage of arguments on the other side of the fence. Of course. I've yeah. investigated sure. them. I've prayed about them. I've talked in community with other people about them. And I still feel pretty confident that the way that I was trained and taught still seems the right way for me to believe. And and so, you know, I I, I definitely still consider myself to be very much an evangelical Christian. In fact, by the way, DG, I don't know if I told you, but I am reading the book, um, uh, The Unlikely Disciple. Is that what it's called? Uh, oh, by yeah. Kevin Ruse yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and I've gotten through like the first four chapters. As well, well, you're further than I am. I'm just reading a chapter a night and have read for two nights. So I'm, That's cool. I'm just reading it before I go to bed. And I'm really enjoying his approach so far. And I, yeah. and I, love, <laughs> I love hearing this non-Christian view of what it's like to be completely enveloped in a community of evangelical believers. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, I, I see myself in that group of people. I mean, I could, I could see myself fitting in at that university. Not, I have no, I have no feelings one way or another about, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the guy who started it, uh, Jerry Falwell or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, other than that, I know he, as far as I'm concerned, he is not the spokesperson of my faith. Right. Uh, sure. You know, he, sure. he is a very outspoken individual and he may, uh, you know, get a lot of press and news and stuff like that. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, although I, I do consider myself an evangelical and he sometimes uh, is considered to be a spokesperson for the evangelical movement, I'd say he dare not say that he's a, a spokesperson for me because he has said some pretty awful things that <laughs> I completely disagree with and I think yeah. were inappropriate. Yeah. So with that being said, even though there are people out there who call, consider themselves evangelicals and they say really odd things and really downright wrong things, sure, it doesn't mean that you know you can judge the entire group of people. And that's why I'm liking this book, by yeah, the way. Right, I, I, right. If I'm not mistaken, I, I have a feeling where this book is going and, uh, and, and I could be wrong, but my theory is that this book is going to be that he's going to come away from this experience not converted, but with a very deep respect for the people who have faith. Right, right. Uh, in uh, the, yeah, I think that's... That, that's, that's my understanding of how the book's going to turn out. Right. And, um, and I'm totally cool with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. So, but yeah, uh, evangelical, um, fundamentalist, and emergent, questioning things, uh, you know, th- that seems to be right around where our culture is today. Uh, now, I will tell you, before I got into podcasting and all of a sudden started uh, establishing bridges to people who are outside my evangelical bubble, I mean, having you as my co-host has been an eye-opening experience. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's been, it's been funny the number of times that I've come in and it's like, okay, we're going to have a conversation. And here I just assume because of, you know, just the fact that we're both Christians 
you know, at the beginning, I kind of just assumed that we pretty much probably believe a lot of the same things. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. I totally disagree with him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's part of the fun. You know, I I think that's that's what's going to be so cool about heaven. (laughs) Yeah. Is that, you know, we can have differing opinions and thoughts, but we can still serve the same God um, and still just be thrilled to have at the head of our body uh, Christ. So. Um, yeah. So anyway, I and, I and I'm reading the emerging church uh, Wikipedia entry, and I think I did a decent job of kind of saying yeah. that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, you know it's and it's and it's, don't get me wrong. I, I am I I do not consider myself to be emergent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really don't. Um, and I know a lot of people that want to label me that so they can be able to put me in the good or bad category. Um, but I really do. I, you know, my, I really consider myself more missional. And, and that's where I have all of my, my entire life and my entire push is that God is a sent being. God has sent uh, his son. Then God and the son has sent the spirit. And now God as Trinity is sending the church into the world and that we need to join that being sentness, which is mission is that's all mission means is to be sent. And so that that's, that's what I think that we should be doing as Christians as actually being sent into the world, not just holy huddles, uh, staying right here and being Christians, look at us, but literally living out our faith intentionally, not just holy huddling up. We can holy huddle up if it just means that we're about to go out. Um, but that's, and that's the reason I think that missional is, is more my, you know, my, um, uh, it, it, the label of choice, the label of choice. There yeah. we go. If I had to live myself, I would, I would say missional. All right. So, well, with that, and being, I don't know if that helped or not, but you know, please, if you need to clarify that, send us another voicemail. We would yeah, love to do that. Yeah, we'll we'll can, um, we'll, we'll beat this horse to death until <laughs> until we but, get the glue but, we and, want. And the great thing is, is and I do want to throw this about the the emergent church. The emergent church intentionally would not let people label them, okay. and it was on it was on purpose because if you're going to have a conversation and a discussion then as soon as someone labels you, then they'll say, I don't want to have any conversation. And so they intentionally would not be able to, they would not tell people their view of salvation or their view of whatever else, because they wanted the conversation to continue. And that frustrated a lot of people, (laughs) a whole bunch of people were frustrated by that. And, and I think, you know, ultimately if they're like, well, if you won't define out who you are, then I'm not talking. Well, there's another conversation that's going out there. And to be on, to be quite honest with you, I did not know that this was as big as, as it is. I've I've heard about this before, and and by the way, we're we're moving into a different direction here. For those of you who are joining us live in the chat room, I've posted a link to gspn.tv/atcnotes, uh, and for those listening via podcast, these notes may or may not still be there when you're actually listening to this. But um, anyway, uh, I got an email from our our great friend Richard from the UK. And he sent in it really did. He didn't have any personal dialogue to go with this. He just posted some information. He said something that you guys might be interested in talking about. And that's all it said. Yeah. So yeah, he, he, cool. he didn't actually say anything as far as what he believes about this. But it's about it was a bunch of links and information related to something called universal reconciliation, also known many times as universal salvation. And I want to make it clear right here from the beginning that this is this is different from universalism. All right. 
And my okay. my understanding of just outright universalism is that there are multiple ways to God, meaning whether you're Buddhist, Hindu, uh, you know, Christian or Jew, uh, it doesn't really matter as long as you, you know, there, there are many ways to get to God. All right. And that okay. is that is universalism. Christianity, however, states that there well, is. A- it, 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 OK, I just want to clarify universalism as well. And we might need to look that up on Wikipedia, too. But uh, would it be that everyone goes to heaven, period? Like even bad, 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 bad people? Or do they well, still have to have some kind of a faith? You, well, first of all, universal the universalism that that terminology does not necessarily state salvation or reconciliation in it. So, uni- universalism as a whole just means there's multiple ways you may choose or may not choose to actually seek out a way to God. So that that universalism as it's as a, as in and of itself is simply stating that there are multiple ways to God, not okay. just one. Okay. All right. However, we're we're going to use the word universal here with the word reconciliation and salvation, which means which is the idea right. and concept that we're going to talk about. So here's what it says from Wikipedia from the the show notes. Do you have that in front of you, DG? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will you read what it says from Wikipedia there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Universal reconciliation. The Christian doctrine or belief that all can receive salvation regardless of belief due to the love and mercy, and I would probably say grace, of God. Okay. Uh, the belief in the eventual salvation of all humankind has been a topic of debate throughout history of the Christian faith, and the early church universalism was a flourishing theological doctrine over time, as Christian theology experienced growth and expansion, it lost much of its popular acceptance. Today, most Christian denominations reject the doctrine of universal reconciliation. All right. And uh, he posted, Richard had also posted in a Wikipedia entry for, uh, it looks like Cormac Murphy O'Connor. And it says, Cardinal Murphy O'Connor can be classified as a Christian universalist. A position that he reiterated in 2005 is entirely compatible with Roman teaching. He has expressed his personal hope for universal salvation, saying, I cannot think of a heaven without thinking of being in communion with all the saints and all the people I've loved on this earth. Right. And then, of course, the the final thing that, um, that Richard had sent in was a bunch of information that was linked to and copied from uh, tentmaker.org. And by the way, I in the in the notes there, DG, I posted the like header image from the website over at tentmaker.org. Yeah, and it said and it uses and this is something I've seen across the board. First Timothy four ten <laughs> that says Jesus Christ, the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Okay. All right. Now, will you go ahead and read what he, this is a quote He's from? He's a savior, everybody, but a little bit more saving aspect for everyone who believes. Exactly. Well, <laughs> that's that is that is a direct quote from scripture. So, we'll talk about that. But can you read what uh, he had copy and pasted from tentmaker.org? Sure. What is Christian universalism? Tent tentmaker.org. <laughs> or uh, says, what is Christian universalism? Christian universalism is a belief in the simple Bible truth that Jesus Christ is the, quote, lamb who takes away all the sin of the world, end quote. He is the promised Messiah of whom the prophets of old covenant foresaw. He is the savior of the world. He is the, quote, second Adam 
through whom all mankind will be restored to God's original image. He is the only way to the Father, the only begotten Son of God, and there is no other way to everlasting life but through him. We believe he is king and judge of the universe and owner of all creation, and that his purpose for the ages is to bring all things under his government and reconciled with himself. We believe that this is the Tim Maker. Okay, I'm just reading. Yes. We believe. <laughs> yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is not necessarily the views of the, 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 the church podcast. Exactly. Uh, although, not, not too bad, George. Uh, we believe in his substitutionary death and resurrection. He became the quote Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, as Christ Himself. And quote, if I be lifted up, crucified, I will draw all men to me, as also prophesied in Psalm 22. His name is the one before uh, which every man, woman, and child from all of human history will bow before and declare that he is Lord. On the day the prophesied, quote, restoration of all things shall come to pass, and the increase of his government and peace um, there shall be no end. This view is also known as ultimate reconciliation or universal salvation, which is a very different thing than Unitarian Universalism. All right. So here we go. We and, and of course, I did also uh, I, I did some other searching around on the Internet looking for information about uh, Christian universalism and stuff like that. I, I came across the Christian Universalistic Association, uh, an ecumenical, uh, ecumenical organization uniting people and churches around the world with a vision of God's all inclusive love, all God's children, no one left behind. And then, uh, which is hilarious. No child left behind. Yeah, no child left behind. No soldier left behind. No left behind series by Tim Lay. <laughs> all those things went through my mind. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there on the site, they had a couple different images. And uh, on one of the images are two scriptures that, that kind of are used often throughout the materials. Uh, first one here is First uh, John 4, 12 through 14. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. All right. What world? All right. And then, of course, there is so also. So not including Mars or. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, world is is Earth just the world or I don't know. I'm thinking Earth so. is world. Yeah, I yeah. think you're probably right. When. When we see the world there map, is. we don't see the constellations, do we? <laughs> but I do think that, yeah. But there's there's some cosm there's some cosmos language in the Bible. So. Yeah. Amen. John twelve thirty two says this: When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. All right. So so basically, you get this all inclusive language. You get the you know the feel that. You know, they, they believe that nobody's going to hell because, well, quite honestly, there is no place called hell. Uh, and and yeah. that uh, here here's the unique thing. Like any other Christian who believes Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. Mm-hmm. All right. The way to God. Uh, right. The way to everlasting life. Well, what the Christian universalist, from what I've read, read and studied... The Christian universalist uh, and the Christian uh, universal reconciliationist would say is that this is absolutely true. Nobody gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ, his atonement and pay, his, right. his, the penalty which he paid on, uh, on, with his death, death and resurrection. Right. All right. So therefore, there's no question about that. But there, it, it's going to happen at the day of judgment where the Bible says that one day, Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So one day, even if they've rejected him here on earth and and everything like that, no matter what their life is, one day everybody's gonna like, oh my gosh, 
what they said was correct. Jesus Christ is God. He is Lord. And and because of that, everybody is going to be, you know, all people are going to be saved because God says in other places in the scripture, he's not willing that any shall perish. Right. right. You know, and so, you know, obviously those are the kind of scriptures. Those are the kind of things. So, so DG, I, I want to tell you, before I went in and looked up for, you know, to, to find bo- verses to say, you know, why don't I believe it? I kind of just let those things simmer for a little bit. I let yeah. them sim- simmer for a couple of days. And I want to just say that, you know, it's like, man, is there, you know, are there, number one, are there really people who believe this? And I recognize it's like, wow, you know what? There are a lot of people that believe this. And so first and foremost, I want to say that I come to this podcast stating, you know, ahead of time, it's like, you know what? I'm understanding there's a lot more different bits of theology within Christianity than I was ever aware of before. And so Mm -hmm. understand that I'm consistently understanding that there are new ways of thinking that uh, that are completely contrary to the things I've always ta- been taught and always learned. So this got me thinking is like okay, let me look into this. But then I th- the more I looked into it, the more I read the documents and stuff like that, the more I'm like, you know, I this just doesn't jive with me. And I said to myself, you know, well is it doesn't jive with me because I'm from the evangelical mindset of, you know, turn or burn, you know, uh, it, the the whole you you have to accept Jesus Christ or you will be condemned for eternity in uh, in a lake of fire. You know, is, is right, it just right. my teaching? It, it's and it's like okay, well, for, let's forget about my teaching for just a moment and let's strictly rely on scriptures. And a couple stories came to mind, and it took me a while to to dig out the ones that really I think in my mind makes it all makes it well i will say at this moment in time as i'm speaking these words it's impossible for me to accept christian universalism good, or good. christian reconciliation <laughs> we would agree on that all right so you you know i was i'm like i wonder what dg's gonna say uh, we agree on that all right so i what i'd like to do is i'd like to just real quickly go through three different stories and or actually four different stories in the scripture uh, they're all relatively short and the longest one being like five or six paragraphs. Right. Yeah, uh, so, so if you don't mind, what I'd like to do is I'd like to go through four different things in the scripture that really make it impossible for me to accept the idea that everybody is going to be saved. Right. Okay. All right. So let's start with Luke 16, 19 through 31. If you'll read the story of the rich man and Lazarus, I'll read the next one. Okay, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. <laughs> Sorry. Every day. Every day luxury. Uh, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazus. Lazus? Lazy. It was named a, Lazy Lazarus. It was that lazy guy. A beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. So it's just really cool contrast going on here. Just everything has been completely switched. 
And what used to be a dog licking his sores is now a man who is wanting to to just drink the water that has touched his skin that had sores all over. Anyway, yes. Uh, and if, if if this guy ever even touched Lazarus, um, he would have been deemed unclean, lived a few days outside of the town. I mean, it was just hardcore stuff. Okay. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm or chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also become to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, father Abraham, he said, uh, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone raises from the dead. All right. So what we have here, by the way, is a story told by Jesus. All right. I think it's important to understand that. And now I I would have to say that, you know, obviously this is a parable. This is a story. This is not a true historical account that Jesus is referring to or even a future account. This is a parable. Exactly. All right. But what is the purpose of this parable other than to say, you know, there to illustrate that there is a difference in, you know, in, in eternity. The, you know, there are d- the decisions you make here on earth, the way you live your life here on earth has some kind of impact on an eternal place. Well, I would say that the emphasis is you need to actually be a part and follow the law. <laughs> I would say that that would be the teaching that was going on there. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely a byproduct of, of following the law is that there is something happening after death. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, there and, and there's the reference, let, let him warn him so that they will not also come to this place of torment. So in Jesus's teaching... He he uses a parable of a place of torment. Now you now I, I'm not gonna. It obviously doesn't say in hell. You know here in hell. Right. But sure. but you know I'll leave that part open to in, interpretation. But there just to make note that there is reference to a place of torment, um in in a parable told by Jesus. Right. To illustrate some points. All right. Moving on to the next one is Mark sixteen twelve through sixteen. Uh, This is basically just after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. It says this, uh, After Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country, these returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, and this is in verse 15 of Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, again, I understand even with this scripture, one could, you know, in how do you interpret the word condemned? Sure. You know, I I understand that, and I understand that I'm not a biblical scholar, and I did not go to seminary and learn how to speak Greek and Hebrew, and I don't know what the original word for condemned is. I don't know if they even teach you how to speak it. They just teach you how to read it. Well, whatever. (laughs) I'm just going to give you a hard time. (laughs) 
but whatever the case may be, I understand that my understanding it may may not be as clear as the Bereans, but I understand right. that there is at least punishment, and and I I have to have some some grasp of what he's talking about here. That there's you know there's an issue of belief and condemnation. Now right. I don't know if condemnation could it be interpreted as as a punishment, the day of judgment. You're gonna feel really bad and guilty, and then all of a sudden, once that's all done, you know, here's all the case against you. And oh, by the way, now that we've proven you guilty and you've confessed, Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's your stamp. Good on into heaven. I, right, right. I can right. still see up to this point where some people can interpret it otherwise. Right. But what if there are, at the very least, there will probably be consequences. <laughs> right. You so, know what I'm saying? Yeah, at the very least, I mean, if we want to read this as loosely as possible, <laughs> there will definitely be some form of consequences to the actions. Whether that be yeah. some really vague understanding of purgatory, whether that means, you right, know, sure. in heaven you get, uh, you know, you get the, you know, you're, you're down in the, ho- the hood of the heaven, the hood sure. of heaven, you know, yeah. or what, I don't know. But, but anyway, understanding this so far, I I could see the possibility of Christian universalism, but yeah. let's move forward. There are two more, and, and 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 it becomes even more impossible for me to to accept that that theology. Luke right. thirteen twenty three through thirty. You want to read that one? Sure. Someone asked him, "Lord, are there only a few people going to be saved?" And he said to them, "Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to." Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I do not know you or know where you came from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I do not know you and where you come from. Away away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places in the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are least who will be first and the first who will be last. All right. So or last who will be first and first. Right. So a couple of things, and I've highlighted these. The emphasis, of course, is just my own. But there, there. first of all, verse 28 says, there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth, which in my opinion, when I've looked at other references to hell or a place of torment, um, you know, there is also uh, a mention of the similar weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this, of course, is also, I guess, very, would you consider this to be a parable as well or or an illustration of some sort? Uh, but, but the question asked was, is everybody going to go to heaven? I mean, I, that's paraphrased. That Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Right, it's just the other way of saying it. Exactly. Yeah. So in the Christian universal salvation or universal reconciliation, Jesus, settle this debate for me, okay? Right. I've heard there's a lot of people who said that everybody's going to be saved. Are there, from what you're saying, are just a few people going to be saved? And Jesus says, and this is in verse 24, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. And then in 25, he says, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. And, and so, no, in this, in this scripture, it's very clearly talking about will all people be saved? 
And the answer, I don't know how I can interpret it any differently at this point, but the answer seems to be no. Not everybody's going to be saved. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is this is coming right after, um, well, number one, he healed somebody on the Sabbath, and the religious people were yelling at him, saying, get out of here. You're not supposed to be doing work on the Sabbath, <laughs> which... Okay, let's, you know, they needed a little bit of deconstructionalism in their lives at the time period. Yes. Big time. They and need, Jesus did that. And Jesus at the time maybe was an emergent. <laughs> maybe he was an emergent. <laughs> but, uh, but the Lord replied to him saying, you hypocrites. I mean, you know, that's what he's saying to them. And then he, just, then he goes into talking about the kingdom. And he says, uh, the, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. And so he has all of this talk about, um, you know, what this is and what's happening. And then right after that, it says, Jesus journeyed on through towns and villages, teaching and making his way towards Jerusalem. And then someone asked him, Lord, will only be a, only a few be saved. So, it, you know, it, it's still, at least in the author's mind here of Luke, uh, that this salvation understanding is still, it's, it's connected to the kingdom stuff. Yes. Does that make sense? Yep. And I, I think that, you know, I just wanted to make sure that background was there. Yeah, absolutely. Look what's going on there. All right, so one more, and and this is the one, you know, this actually comes down to it, and this is the this was the biggest thing in my mind as I was thinking about this, and it's the whole day of judgment kind of thought and mentality, and it and it's you know, it, it, are are there going to be a group of people who go to heaven and a group of people who don't? Now, whether right, you sure. call that hell or whatever you call it, is there going to be more? Are the are we all going, you know, may, okay, maybe there's the, maybe there's the narrow gate, but then there's, you know, is there the white, is there the a wide, wide gate. gate to heaven? <laughs> you know, not many will enter the narrow gate, but the rest right. are going to enter Which through the Which is the, the reason you should be gate. practicing a balanced life so you can actually fit through that narrow gate. Exactly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, yeah, 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 exactly. But here, here's, here's the scripture and it, and it's, and it's the story of the sheep and goats. And this is from Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 46, and uh, we'll go through this here. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels glory. with him. Woo! Glory! Praise you, Jesus. All right. <laughs> Sorry, that just came out. I know. It's a spirit. It reminds me of my Nazarene days. <laughs> I just need a hanky. I need a hanky? Someone said that? No, well, you, oh, you, you, that's, that's awesome. right. You didn't grow up in the Nazarene church. Nope. In the Nazarene church, there would be little old ladies who would grab grab a hanky and they'd wave it oh, in the don't. air and run up and down the aisles. Praise you, Jesus. That's awesome. Praise you, Jesus. Just in case they're in the middle of their praise and they need to blow their nose, they got it. They're they ready. I got my hanky. I'm not putting snot on the Lord today because I got my. Anyway, I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, <laughs> All <man>. the nations. <laughs> yes, thank you. When the Son of Man comes and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one from the other, or from one another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Verse 34. Then the kingdom, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Verse 37 says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when would we see you hungry or feed you and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Jesus replied, when, or no, they continued on. When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Verse 41 says, then he will say to those on his left, not go through the big old wide gate. Okay, and I'm adding that in there, by the way, <laughs> just in case you're not following along in the scripture. I got you. All right. It says, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, needing a clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did not do this for the least of these you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to the eternal to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Right. And and once again, this is right in the middle of a kingdom talk. Yep. He talked about what is the kingdom and 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 stuff like that. So So when it comes down to it, if you look at all four of these scriptures, these are the four and especially with eff- emphasis on Matthew 25, 31 through 46, it is clear to me and my understanding of scriptures that there is an eternal place of punishment, an eternal punishment, an eternal uh, a, a place where God is not present. And uh, I call that place hell. That That's my name for this place. And, and I've heard others call it that name as well. And it's my understanding that, that, you know, and, and here, here's what I do want to say. Here's what I do want to say. I have come to the understanding of myself, and this is something I believe in. That, and from this point forward, my opinion, all right? And, well, actually, all this is my opinion, okay? Uh, but this is clearly just my opinion. I once believed early in my days as a Christian that for one to enter into heaven, one must hear about Jesus Christ, must acknowledge their sin, and accept Jesus as Lord in their lifetime. And that those who did not go through that certain process would not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. I've since then, and, and this was many years ago, right. came and wrestled with that teaching and that thought, and I completely, completely disagree with that. Because the question that always came to my mind is, what about those who live in a, in a place of, on this earth that have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel? Well, of course, then my mind and and also those who adhere to the teaching say, well, that's why it's important for you. If God calls you and puts that burden on your heart, then get out there and find a place on this earth that hasn't heard about it and go and say, it's like, I, I, I still, it, 
there are other scriptures that say, you know, well, God's preordained the place where people would be born and where they would live and that nobody's without excuse. So if nobody's without excuse, then that means everybody has the opportunity. And there's this whole thing about responding to the light, you know, responding to the light that one has given. And, and are you, are, you know, anybody who seeks after God will find him. So I, I, I think that there's a little hint of this Christian universalism reconciliation thing. And, you know, and especially in the story of Matthew and the, the sheep and goats, it's like some of the people are like, it's like, wait a second. I never hung out with you, Jesus. I really, you know what? I don't even know if I've ever even heard of you before. I've never heard of your message of salvation. I never had the opportunity to accept it or reject it. Mm-hmm. But here you're telling me that I'm a sheep and you're putting me in this group of people because I've always done the things that have been laid on my heart to do right. that are in accordance with who you are. And you came and it's like, and, and, and that and in that it is still only through Jesus Christ that those people are saved. Right. I know that one. I, I will. I will admit that there are some hardcore evangelical if fundamentalists. And these are all the terms now that I can throw out there because I understand what they are now. But there are some hardcore people who would say, well, Cliff, even that's a stretch. And I'm and, and I say this is my opinion, but it's one of the those are things that I've wrestled with is like, I believe that that this isn't as black and white as I understand it, as far as the process that God is going to use as his checklist as to who makes it and who doesn't. I don't think I have a clear, crisp understanding of that, although I do have a clear, crisp understanding of what God has told me um, to do as my part of his his plan of salvation, which is to go to all the world and to make disciples of all nations and to teach them the things that he has taught me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. And, and it says, teach them and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it is my responsibility that God has laid on my heart to go out and teach and share the good news of Jesus Christ and his salvation and who he is. And that if anyone will believe in him and accept him and, and, and will repent of their sins, they will be saved. Right. Right. So I believe that there is... There, there can be something known as the assurance of salvation, knowing that you're assured because there are things that Christ said. He has made promises, and if you accept those promises, you can be assured of that. Right, right. Now, with that being said, I, I believe, and again, this one may may twist some people's knockers in a you know and stuff like that. I know that one. <laughs> This may put some people's panties what? in a wad. I don't know. Maybe this should be the adult episode. <laughs> as long as it's my, my oh wife doing my it gosh. and protecting me, right? Yeah, sure. Go for it. You already say what you're trying to say. <laughs> but I believe that there may be some people who have not gone through those four spiritual laws or the eight steps to the Roman road and all all that other stuff that's oversimplified and, and put into a formula. There may be some people who do not go through a formula that yet make it. And when they sit and when God says this, it's like, he says, listen, I, I, you were here because you did this, you did this. And it's like, but oh, cool. I'm, I'm not arguing, but when did I do that? Really? I did that. 
you know, I they're that they're you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I I don't know, but anyway, yes. <laughs> so uh, the chat room's going, yeah, they're going crazy, and it's awesome. They have a great conversation going on in the yes. chat room right now. <laughs> so so anyway, th- those are my thoughts. I do not believe in universal reconciliation. Right. Right. B- but at the same time, I do not believe that I have a complete understanding of the formula by which God will use when he's doing his separation method. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and, I, and I think that any Christian who uh, wants to play the part of the king here <laughs> has got some serious issues. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and sadly, um, I think that there are a lot of Christians that do want to play that part. They want to do the judgment aspect. And that's only reserved, uh, at least in the Christian teaching, <laughs> for Christ. So. Yeah. And, and that's and I think that's a huge, huge part. And so, therefore, uh, as Christians, do we want to put every every egg and every basket into making converts, or do we actually want to say uh, we appreciate the people that are willing to wrestle and ask Christ questions and and get to know who Christ is, and maybe not necessarily be a convert up front? Um, but are we are we only do we only care about that knowledge and the faith? Or do we actually say that there could be some works involved, faith without works is dead kind of stuff, um, involved in that faith? And that Christ says, no, there, you know, it's pretty clear even in this this parable, this story, um, this made-up story that, you know, maybe there is something to saying, hey, if you only have it up in your head, you're missing it. Yeah. well, and, <laughs> You're and completely missing it. That's what he said. I love that. If anything, there was something in this when I was reading through it yet again. Uh, the Matthew 25, 31 through 46, it, it was it was very, very much convicting of my heart or, or yeah, conviction on, on my heart to to understand some of these things. Uh, for example, there, number one, there were the people who said, well, gosh, I, I followed you. I listened to everything you taught and I believed everything you said. Why right. am I over here with the goats? Yeah, yeah. Or when the guy walks up to Christ and says, I've done everything that you say, and he says, leave everything, drop everything, sell everything you have, and follow me. You know, he's there is some action yeah. that that is is that has an expectation <laughs> there. Yeah. And uh and and so it is by faith alone that we are saved, yet faith without works is dead. Right. So you can't really have faith without some kind of inward and outward demonstration of of that in, I mean it faith produces works right yeah and true so true faith true faith yeah 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 i think faith is uh, I, I think works are a byproduct of an authentic faith yes that's the way i describe it yeah um and 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 so you you're just going to be doing those things because that's who you are yes uh, and you are who you are because you've been changed by the faith that you have in Christ. So here, here's one of the things that, that, and when I say there was some, you know, I felt some conviction in my own heart is, you know, this idea is like, and it is the social, it's the social justice thing, you know, the, the social issues and being missional and going out and serving and, and, you know, feeding the hungry, um, clothing, the, the poor, uh, visiting people in prison and, you know, I've recently, you know, I've got some people in my life that I know, one person in particular that has been sick and has been very difficult to to minister to individually, you know, that, that it's just, you know, and, and I hear myself, you know, even the least of these, you know, if, if you're not going to be willing to to take care of that person that you know that's in your life, that's in need of of serving when they're sick, 
even if if you don't do it to them, it's as though you're re, it, it's as though you're not doing it for me. And that really hit heavy on my heart. You know what I'm saying? And so it, yeah. it, it really is like, you know, where is your faith? Is your faith? Is, is it just a bunch of conversations you have on Tuesday morning with DG or is it something that's living? Is it active? Is it really played out in your life on a daily basis? And, um, you know, so those are the things that God's called me to do as it as as I've gone through and have been wrestling with these ideas and these thoughts. So, and yeah, I, definitely. And, and um, so, yeah, the chat room is really great. I wish we could get it. This That's a whole other topic, honestly. Uh, but it's good stuff. And Andrea uh, is talk, has some really great uh, comments that she's talked about in there. Uh, talking about what is faith and works and, and those kinds of things that might be a really great topic for the next time. So yeah, we're absolutely. running out of time already. So yeah, but uh, and 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 by the way, th- this is an opportunity for us to just tell you about the phone number once again because yeah, this would be that would have been a perfect time to be able to call in. We could have yeah continued the conversation. Yeah, the phone number during this show is is a, is available during the entire show. The the instructions on how to dial in are both above and below the chat room at gspn.tv slash live. But that's okay. It's not too late. You know, um, if you want to spark the next conversation for our next uh, About the Church podcast, you can do it just like uh, Rick from Wisconsin did. Sure. Give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a voicemail hotline. You have up to three or four minutes to, to leave your message. Give us a call at area code 859-795-4067. Again, that's area code 859-795-4067. We would love to hear your thoughts regarding this and anything else that you want to talk sure. about. Any other questions? You can steer us in a completely different direction. We're yeah. cool with and that. And I love the idea of, of grabbing your iPhone if you have one and using that voice memo. Yes. Uh, and then you can email it to... Feedback. feedback at gspn.tv. Yes. In fact, I've gotten a lot of those from my other shows. Uh, for it sounds here. great. It does. It's it sounds great really recording. great. Yeah. So basically, if you have an iPhone or if you have an iPod Touch second generation with the earbuds yeah. uh, with the uh, microphone. Or a regular phone. <laughs> or a regular phone. <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, if you have that, use that voice memo and email that to us at uh, feedback at gspn.tv. Cool. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Exactly. We'll be back. Oh, by the way, don't forget to pray for another church in your area that is not your own. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. And if anybody wants to help support this kind of content that we're doing here, we uh, produce more. We actually uh, just launched our 21st active show right now, Social Media Serenity. You oh, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't checked that out, Social Media Serenity, if I could talk, dot com. And PraxisPodcast.com is my other podcast today. Yeah. Follow DG on Twitter, Argon52, A-R-G-O-N-5-2. I'm twitter.com slash GSPN. But if you want to help support this content that we're producing here, head over to gspn.tv slash plus and find out what plus membership is. There's a whole bunch of testimonials there. Uh, trust me, folks, your, your plus membership may not cost a lot, but it goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. So check that out, gspn.tv slash plus. Now we're done. We'll be back next week. Oh, wait, and we wanted to tell you hi. Oh, and one more thing. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.